This episode of the Linux Action Show is brought to you by DigitalOcean and by Ting. Go to last.ting.com and save $25 off your first device or your first month of service. Action Show episode 312. My name is Chris. My name is Matt. Hey, Matt. Good morning to you. Good morning. Are you ready for me to tell folks about the big show today? Oh, yeah. All right. Here's what we got coming up. This is a, this is a big show because we're going to talk about this brand new lightweight Linux desktop. Is LXQT the future of the minimal Linux desktop? Well, we'll talk about it in the second half of the show. And also, we'll talk about the challenge it might be presenting to XFCE. Perhaps this is XFCE's biggest competition yet. So... I think so. We'll, we'll discuss that today. And then in the news segment, there's some really big gaming news. The community is all lit up about this. Uh, some Firefox phone news, mm-hmm. as well as some Fedora news, and a few other things for you media center folks. And in the feedback segment, we've got a question about file systems. And it's a survey that we're going to put out there that I think everybody out there will at least have a yes or no answer mm-hmm. to. So stay tuned for info on that, plus a few questions in the feedback segment. But first, Matt, it is our picks. And we do like to start with our Runs Linux pick. And uh, this week, get ready for this one, Matt. This flying mm. 3D printer that could seal <laughs> off nuclear waste runs Linux. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, right. Let's, let's say that again. A flying 3D, 3D printer. printer. Yeah, yeah. Now, I don't know how much of the actual, uh, I, I, you could almost you could almost call it uh, a, a drone. I don't know how much of the drone actually runs it, Linux. I think it has drone-like tendencies. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, it is, uh, here, I'll... I'll uh, could be drone curious. If you watch closely, here's the video. Watch, see, what's that right there, Matt? What's oh, that right there? Oh, yeah. That's a little Ubuntu Unity, isn't it? It is. Now, you see the drone lands on like say this chemical spill or this whatever seals it up it prints on with foam and then can latch on and fly it away wow how neat is that that's crazy yeah and so the idea being now this of course would have all kinds of applications but the idea being here that right now something about 2.5 kilograms it could go in seal it up and carry it away they think they can get up to 40 kilograms eventually um the other thing they think they could use it for is deploying solar panels and then sealing them in in remote areas. So they they put it out there, they ah, drop the solar you... panel in, it flies around and does the printing for the seal, and then you know flies away. And it could do it at forty kilograms at a time. Uh, so the way this works right now is it's a little autonomous. It's not mm-hmm. fully autonomous, but uh, essentially you program it from a Linux box. Yeah. Then the quadcopter uses GPS to direct itself to the target and finishes the job. So it's not like a hands-on machine where you're constantly saying, "Okay, now go over here and do this." It's here's the work scenario. Scenario. Mm-hmm. Here's the location you need to do the work scenario. Here's how you verify you're at that right location. Once all those factors are met, just begin work on your on your own automatically, and then fly back to me when you're done. And then it uses, of course, GPS to fly back to the. So or- for the original. guy that runs it, I mean, it's a, essentially it's Miller time. I mean, you know, I mean, at the <laughs> yeah. end of the day, yeah. yeah. Like, While your robots out there working, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. This is the kind of future I can get behind. Let the robots do the work. Now, as long as we're not working for the robots. In that scenario, I believe the robot is working for us. I think so, for now. For now. But I'm not quite positive on that. Mm-hmm. But uh, there you go. Another example of uh, Linux caught in the wild helping uh, our ro- our future robot overlords uh, get more sophisticated. And why not do it on a free platform, right? I mean, that's not, that's not Terminator-like at all. No. I mean, like, so, you know, protesters got their mouth open, here comes the foam. Yeah. I mean, I could see this going south real quick. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, so, all right, Matt, well, let me tell you about something else that's just about as amazing as a, as a flying 3D printing robot running Linux, and that is DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is simple cloud hosting. Have we told you about these guys? Because 
This is something you should check out, even if you're an enthusiast, if you're a pro, if you're somebody that's building an infrastructure or somebody who just wants to learn to use Linux, or maybe you're just sick and tired of fighting with your ISP to have services set up at your house and have the ISP block the port or send you a letter or you have to use dynamic IPs or whatever it is, go over to DigitalOcean.com because we can get you a $10 credit. You can try out that $5 rig for two months for free when you use our new code last May. Now, here's what you get. $5 a month will get you... 512 megabytes of RAM on this droplet, a 20 gigabyte SSD. Yes, an SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer. So that's probably more than a lot of people watching right now have bandwidth caps for their ISP. Yeah. That's another reason to get this off your site, put it up on a DigitalOcean droplet, then you can access it from your mobile, you can access it from work, home, school, whatever your scenario is. DigitalOcean is simple cloud hosting that's really dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way to spin up a cloud server. And the interface they've put on doing this process is sort of revolutionary. They've really taken something that is so straightforward, so simple. You're watching it right now. You choose the size of droplet you want. You choose the data center you want to deploy it in. Then you can choose your image right here. This guy chose CentOS. I would go Ubuntu LTS. That's Mm -hmm. just me. CentOS is fine. It creates the droplet. And then boom, now you have root access to a machine running up in the cloud with tier one bandwidth sitting on top of SSD drives and it's yours to do with as you wish install the packages host whatever it is maybe it's the back end for an app maybe it's your own personal website maybe it's an own cloud instance digital center digital ocean has data center locations in new york san francisco singapore and amsterdam their interface is simple and their control panel is very intuitive but the best part is power users can replicate this control panel that you're seeing right now on a larger scale with the with their very straightforward API that DigitalOcean provides. And you're seeing a whole community of applications spring up around those APIs. And DigitalOcean is growing like crazy, too. So go over to DigitalOcean.com and check out why they're becoming the gold standard in VPS hosting. And by the way, they're also hiring. Oh, right on. Yeah, so if you're looking for a gig, go over to DigitalOcean.com and click on the We're Hiring link. But remember, while you're there, use that promo code last May. Get a $10 credit. Try out the $5 rig that I have been using for months and months and months for free for two months. DigitalOcean.com. And a really big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Linux Action Show. Love my droplet, Matt. Yes. All right, you ready for my desktop pick? The chat room's been talking about it all morning. (laughs) And look, this is one of these desktop app picks. It's going to be a little controversial. Okay. And I'm not trying to take away your Vi or your Emacs or your Sublime Text or your G-Edit, okay? I'm not suggesting that. I just want to give you another alternative because GitHub made a bunch of noise this week when they open sourced the editor they've been working on called Atom. It's, uh, it's under the MIT license, and Atom is an editor that is inspired, you might say, a lot from another program I like called Sublime Text. Okay. What is very interesting about Atom is it's actually based around a Chromium instance. Uh, oh, and I'm that is show different. It, yeah, yeah. And at first you're like, what? No. That- I, I don't hate the idea. I mean, I think, I think it's fascinating. It's new. It's it just different. seems very odd, right? Yeah, right. So this is an editor made by GitHub. It's actually, here it is right here on my machine. You would never know it's based on a Chromium instance, really. It just looks a lot like Sublime Text. And, mm-hmm. and from that end, it gives you a lot of what Sublime Text gives you, but absolutely free. Sublime Text is commercial software this is open source software wow and this is being packaged up it's in the uh, aur right now there's also a ppa available for ubuntu both of which Mm -hmm. are linked in the show notes here's what's really cool about this this has a really 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 good syntax completion engine one of the best out there so if you're developing a lot of code that's a good if you're if you like to use a straight text editor to do that Mm -hmm. but you like a a good intelligent autocomplete that's maybe enough right there this has an entire scripting system too i can't remember i think it's control shift p also this executes this is a run box sort of like a gnome do yeah. built into the editor so for example i happen to know that adam has built-in markdown support well this is today's show notes written in markdown in adam so if i go in here and i type in markdown 
I can see all my markdown commands that I could execute and the short keys. So oh, now wow. I could toggle on markdown preview. And there we go, real oh, time. Oh, man. Now I'm liking this. Yeah, a lot. you see how it's, it's rendering the markdown right in here in line inside the editor. And as I make adjustments, so like if we go up here and say, here's our, here's our line where I say, uh, first look at uh, LXQT, right? If I added, uh, you know, uh, the word fart right there, it would <laughs> see it adds fart in real time over there. <laughs> nice. Yeah, uh, there's really good syntax highlighting as well. There's packages available for it. And the way you get those packages is kind of interesting. Let's see if I can. I only played with it just a little bit because it just came out this week for Ubuntu. Right. And I, this is on my Ubuntu box. Uh, so, yeah, here's the uh, preferences. And uh, it kind of reminds you maybe a little bit of Firefox. You can uh, you can dig in here and right here are, are some of your extensions that you have installed or can install. So I could say, Oh, here's a good one. Here's a color picker extension. Here's a, wow. here's a sorts. Here's a visual bell extension. And this is, this is MIT license. This is free. Mm -hmm. so this is white boy. This is, boy. you can make it, you can make it support Vim commands. Right. And then of course, just like kind of on, on Firefox or Chromium, you can go get different themes. So right now I have this theme installed. That's cool. It's, I love theming. Yeah, and then there's lots of settings for everything you turn on. You know, you can configure your uh, autosave settings, all that kind of well, stuff. Well, it looks like it's stupid simple to use. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't look like it's like you're going to get lost in your settings or configuration. It's just a really good text editor. Yeah. It's one of these kinds of text editors. You can see here's my all my files on the left-hand side. I, I You can just leave it running all day. It's a kind of editor you leave running all day long. You go to it for your notes. You go to it for some light code editing. Mm -hmm. You go to it for markdown, whatever you need to go to. And Adam just stays running. Does it support latex or... It would, yeah, it, yes, it does. Oh, it, does actually, it really? It's wow. a, it supports a lot of different types of, so not, so of course, the main thing this is really, uh, uh, focused at is for, uh, development. So oh. I'm using it sort of as a more casual user, but yeah, you could throw latex files in here. You could throw, wow. uh, you know, PHP, Perl, uh, and, uh, bash, all these, all that kind of HTML, everything it would, JavaScript, obviously. If it codes, it goes. Yeah, exactly. It would recognize <laughs> it to do syntax formatting. Um, right. anyways, and, and then also has gist support and you, you can open up stuff up on GitHub if you put in the URL. And uh, it's it's a good editor. Everybody's got their favorite editor. If you're in search of an editor, though, Atom is worth a shot. A T O M. It's it's kind of just being packaged up this last couple of weeks for Linux. It's been out there in the AUR for a little while. Uh, I saw the repo, the PPA show up for Ubuntu. That's in the show notes. It's fun. It's it's a fun, fresh new editor. I still prefer Sublime Text, um, but you know, give them a year or so, and mm -hmm. Adam might have. Well. You know, it looks like it's a great alternative. Yeah, it, it already is becoming an alternative, especially if your needs aren't that mm -hmm. high. Um, and you like the MIT license, you like GitHub. There's already some pros there. It's probably got a good life to it. Um, I, I think Sublime Text, I don't know, I, I, I feel kind of bad because I feel like in a way they're ripping them off a lot too with it. So yeah. I feel bad for the Sublime Text guy because I kind of, I like that independent developer story where there's a guy out there, or a couple of guys and gals, and they're just working on this piece of code and they're making their living for it. I like that story. Sure. So sure. I want to support Sublime Text. But I also recognize that that price that Sublime Text has with it has been a big barrier for a lot of people to use it. Adam solves that problem. Well, and I think it provides an opportunity for them to offer things that uh, maybe the uh, MIT license option doesn't offer. You know, maybe yeah. more of a, you know, there, there's opportunities. That yeah. This have to explore. And, and, you know, to be honest with you, maybe if I stuck with Adam for a little while, I'd. I'd like it better. You, know, it you never be, know. I've used Sublime Text for longer, so I like Sublime Text more. There you go. All right. I got a, a spotlight this week that uh, – you ever been out there – I know we've talked about this. I'm, I'm oh, yeah. positive. We've been like, gosh, what's really missing for KDE is a distro that takes KDE and really makes it purdy. And, you know, because you can make KDE just look gorgeous, but sure. a lot of distros out of the box. OpenSUSE gets close, but even there, like, they could go further. Yeah. It, it, sometimes a lot of distros are a little rough out of the box. It yeah. feels like it needs a shave. Yeah. You know? So I want to introduce you to – Chaos. It's uh -huh. 
it's a lean KDE distribution that is now built from scratch. So it's, it it has Pac-Man. And, oh, really? But it's not using Arch repos, and it's not – I don't believe it is actually Arch. They say on their site that it's it's built from scratch since 2013. They have 1,500 packages in 2013 the repo. They probably have more now. So it's Chaos, K-A-O-S. And um, I, I want to show it to you. I got it running right yeah. here in a, a VirtualBox VM. Ooh, that's pretty. So that's oh, the wow. desktop there. Oh, and my. you notice right away, like, they've got a, a good theme. It's kind of milky. It's kind of white. Yeah. So no, yeah. their theme choice is excellent. And uh, they have a very um, sort of flat. It's a very flat look. They're using the same menu that sort of Manjaro uses. It's mm-hmm. a very good KDE it doesn't menu. Feel so, it doesn't feel so overdone. No, like, look at this one. Yet. There's one option in here. And then it's – and then so here's your system yeah. settings. Uh, so you're getting all the niceties of KDE, but at the same time, you're not getting all the yeah, crap. It's much, you know? it's, it's, it's just a little simpler. Uh, yeah. it's KDE with a little less option. Um, well, it's KDE with a design flow, a little I mean, bit of a real, design. Yeah, yeah. It just feels like someone actually, yeah, yeah. boy. Uh, now the problem is, is that if you don't like this light milky design, it's not going to work for you yeah, at all. But if you like, if you like this, uh, the whole, the whole process that you installer, like it's kind of funky. Like when you install chaos, you, you have to manually partition the drives, but that option is included under the advanced section. Mm-hmm. So you go to the installer and it's like, okay, so here's your partitions. Okay, well, there's nothing there. And like the next button's grayed out and there's just an advanced button. Then you go into advanced button and it launches a QT uh, G uh, parted front end. Mm-hmm. And uh, you sit there and manually lay out the file system and then go back into the installer and hit apply. And then it installs. But it's other than that, it's a pretty good installer. And the first out of the box experience is really quite good. Uh, and uh, it comes with a, a package manager. So even though it's using Arch under the hood, it's got, um, uh, I think it's actually the same one that Manjaro uses. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, the, it, uh, uh, pa- the this, Pac-Mac or whatever oh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it looks Pac-Mac-like. Yeah. Oh, this is Octopi. Oh, okay. okay. But it, yeah, it has the same Pac-Mac uh, icon and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So this is this is essentially a front end of Pac-Man in the GUI, but you could also just use, uh, you know, I did a Pac-Man SYU on the command nice. line and brought it up to date. Um, and so they do something that's kind of interesting. It is a rolling distribution uh, in in layers. Uh, they kind of they have an interesting way they explain it, but essentially the way it works is they have uh, three layers. They have the application layer, which is which is very fluid, updating yeah. all the time. They have the drivers layer, which is much more static, and then they have the core layer, which changes very infrequently. And I think that's a I, I think, think that's, that's a pretty a nice interesting model. Yeah, yeah. So I, that's they have they have um, they have their. They have a very QT, KDE focus. In fact, they're more committed to QT and KDE than they are on actually using Linux. They talk about how the Linux kernel makes a good core right now. Uh, and they're using, wow. you know, they're using the Linux kernel. They're using systemd. They're using the GNU tools, obviously, and Pac-Man. But like, you know, you know, Lumos might come around one day. We might want to switch to a different, you know, underhood, but we'll always Boy. be KDE, QT. Don't worry about that. Boy, okay. Yeah. Well, so now you mentioned that you can't AUR this bad boy. Though. Yeah, That's I don't think it. so. So, but maybe potentially that you can, you just have to go through some extra hoops. Maybe. Because this would be, this is pretty cool. I like yeah. I like their layering idea. I think that, yeah. like, for some people that makes right. a lot of sense. So you get like you get the latest Chromium, you get the latest KDE, mm-hmm. you get that stuff. That's all pretty solid. But what you don't, what you're not going to get is you know maybe you're going to get every one and three Nvidia driver updates. Right. That's not so bad. No, and if you're not a gamer, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, you know, really. And I like the name Chaos. That's yeah, a good name right? too. It's very get smart. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. K A O S. It is. 
maybe kind of arch based. They say it's from scratch. It's got Pac-Man for the How package management. Arch like that works. They, and you know what? I was checking out like their recent packages. They're still keeping everything up to date as of, wow. uh, okay. uh, let's see, May 11th. So that's today. They've, they've pushed new packages to the repo Sunday. This might be, might be kind of a Manjaro alternative. Uh, yeah, exactly. In fact, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if you did some digging if maybe they started with Manjaro. And the reason I say that is that's the same menu that the KDE Manjaro install uses. Yeah. They also had like some of the same options, like the SUSE image burner is in is in the same menu in both distributions. Yeah. It might have started there. Could have been inspired by. Yeah, I, sure. but I believe even if they started there, they've now gone off and done their own thing. If nothing else, it's interesting to see that kind of flavor of KDE done combined with that with that. You know, people are experimenting with this rolling re- release model, and I think this is a particularly interesting iteration of it. Uh, we've seen the solid uh, guys, and we've seen obviously how Arch right. does it. So this is another take. I, I like the two things I like is I love the theming choice. I think it's spot on. Um, it just feels good, but that can be done on any distro. I, I yeah. watch that. The second thing is I love the layering scheme that they're doing with the back end. Yeah. I think that for a lot of individuals that just want a out of the box no headache experience, that makes a lot of sense. Yep. That you know you're not going to break everything if something goes wrong. Where you know an Arch user, it's no big deal. You fix it. But for a lot of other people, it's like eh, I don't really want to deal with that. So yeah. it's a nice choice. And I, I also like to see what uh, a project can do when they have a really strong vision, just like right. the elementary OS folks, when they, you know, there's a big vision there. And, and why not? Like we have these big distributions who are dominant, who right. have the user bases. So why not do some of the most interesting experimentation exactly. where there's, and, and that gives them an opportunity to potentially get a good idea and gain traction. So I think it's the right direction. Very good. All right, Matt, Yish. let's do the news. Hey, it's the news, and this episode is brought to you by Ting.com, Matt. Go over to last.ting.com because it's mobile that makes sense. It's my mobile service provider. I am rocking the Nexus 5. I don't know. I don't just use the Nexus 5. I rock the Nexus 5. I'm, I'm serious. This is the one of the Note 2. Like, if you want it big, you go big with the Note 2. If you want it thin and light, you go with the Nexus 5. And that's what Matt and I represent okay. for you guys. And we get it all over at last.ting.com where they will take $25 off your first device or $25 off your first month of service if you want to bring your own device you can bring like they just recently added the HTC One great phone perhaps better than the Nexus 5 Rikai. Or you can also use like uh, the ga- Samsung Galaxy S4. You can buy the S5 from Ting. And Matt and I, before the show started, we were looking at my Nexus 5, which is, yeah. a, you know, you can get it from Google Play or you can get it from Ting directly for 350 bucks. Unlocked, you guys. You own this phone outright. That's not a subsidized price. That's the price that you right. pay to own that device. For, for, that, that's incredible. For $350. And then when you put it on the Ting network, you match that with the Ting service where you only pay for what you use. Flat $6 a month. And then your usage on top of that. Ting takes your messages, your megabytes, and your minutes. They add them all up. Whatever bucket you fall into at the end of the month, that's what you pay. It's $6 plus your usage and some taxes. Boom, Bob's your uncle. You can get a Nexus 5 for 350 bucks, and then just pay for what you use. And the best part about Ting, no contract right. and no early termination fee. In fact, Ting will help you get out of your – if you're in a contract right now with one of those old stuffy mobile providers – Ting has an ETF relief program where they will pay up to $75 per line in credit that you have to get canceled, and that helps smooth that over. Then when you check out their savings calculator and see how much you're going to save, when you factor in that ETF relief program, it's kind of kicking things into high gear. And one of the things we love about Ting is their actual Android enthusiasts. They've been doing these great app picks. Check out this app. This app will, I think Kyra's about to tell us, this thing will wait on hold for you. Hey, calling customer service and navigating your way through a phone tree, only to be stuck on hold for an hour. I'm Kyra, and this is Ting's App of the Week. (laughs) 
Ask Customer is a free app that does all the waiting for you. Simply tap a button, let it work its magic, and you'll be notified when a customer representative is ready to take your call. When you first open the app, register your number to get things started. Then, go ahead and choose from over 3,000 companies, including banks, airlines, and credit cards. Simply select the department you want to speak with, tap Have Someone Call Me, and you're good to go. You'll get a call from a 1-800 number once the app connects with a live representative. It's that easy. And if the call center is closed for the day, you'll be informed of that too, along with the next available time you can reach their customer service line. You can also send across suggestions if a company you're looking for hasn't made the list yet. Fun fact, you'll never find Ting on this list because we don't use phone trees. Give us a call and a customer service advisor will pick up right away. Fast Customer can be found on Google Play or the App Store. You'll find the links in the description below. I'm Kyra, thanks for watching and make sure to subscribe to our channel. Yeah, you can call me at 1-855-TING-FTW anytime between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and a real person answers the phone. That person is nice. capable of solving your problem. I love that. I do, too. Last.ting.com. That lets them know you appreciate them supporting the show and gets you that $25 off. A really big thank you to Ting for sponsoring the Linux Action, Action show. Show, 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 show. Ting's awesome. They are awesome. All right, I want to talk about something that's got the community all fired up oh this week. All fired up, Matt. Unreal Tournament, the game. You remember the old oh, 2004 well, I one? I remember. Loved That's it. where my, uh, my uh, yeah. Steam Nick came from, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, they've announced this week that they will be building a new one based on Unreal Engine 4. And Ooh. here's the hook. Here's the, it, it's not just like going to be free to play. They're going to make the game straight up free, and it's going to be available for Mac, Windows, and Linux yes. right at launch. The other thing they'll be doing is they'll be doing the development, not truly open source, but out in the open, like up on a GitHub where people can be involved. They're literally just getting started. They right. just announced it uh, this week, and they're they're just writing the first lines of code. They say from the very first line of code, uh, code the very first uh, art created and design decision made, development will be happening in the open as collaboration between Epic, UT fans, and UE4 developers, that's the engine developers. Very cool. We'll I be using that. forms for discussion and Twitch streams for regular updates. Nice. And, you know, they really are emphasizing out of the gate Linux support. Uh, so they say, what's the catch? What's the There's got to be a catch. There's got to be. This is, the, yep. the deal is too good. What's the catch? Well, here's, here's the catch for you, Matt. Uh, it's going to take many months until the game is playable by gamers. It's a real development from scratch process. Mm -hmm. When the game is playable, it will be free, not just free to play, but absolutely free. And one of the things that's sort of been holding up this end. Now, this is a really good sign because, you know, Unreal is going to come out and say, here's an example of what the Unreal Engine 4 can do now. I don't know if you've seen some demos of, I don't know, this probably gets us pulled so from YouTube. Looks like you guys are really giving it to the developers. That's nah, machine, but you'll be right. All right. So, uh, well, you watch. Uh, <laughs> but so this is, in theory. <laughs> yeah. This is a demo of the Unreal Engine that they gave at uh, GDC 2013. They've also done a demo at, at GDC 2014. There's other games based on this technology already. And it looks incredible. Now, just because somebody's using the, the new Unreal Engine does not mean that game is going to come out for Linux. Okay. So we, as Linux users, it is incumbent upon us to continue to remind those developers via our right. wallets, via our tweets, and whatever else, emails, whatever it is, that we are an interested party. Because the, uh, Unreal is giving them, uh, the Unreal Engine is giving them everything they need to, to, to make it available for Linux, mm -hmm. but they're not going to do that. They're not going to spend the time to build, to test, to troubleshoot, to do customer support, unless they think people want it. So we, A, have to do that. But two, this, the new version of Unreal Tournament, will show them how it can be done, how it should be done. 
I think what they're doing here, by doing this in the public, by making it free, they are setting a tone for the rest of the industry to follow. They're blazing a trail. And I'm yes. really excited about this. I think this is a fantastic idea. And I think the, the key is that um, early on, when they are putting this stuff out in the open, Linux folks need to make their voices heard then. Right. Uh, don't don't wait until right. it's released and then hope they're going to like yeah. patch bugs or even care. Right. Um, get in early. Yeah. Participate. And, you know, in terms of like getting and actually helping, the community is really kicking ass in that regard. Yes. The community has already has already ported the Unreal 4 engine editor to Linux before Epic got around to it. And Epic caught on to it. This is a tweet thread here. They said, holy cow. Uh, our community beat us to the Unreal Engine 4 editor for Linux, and they linked it there. Uh, and that goes to show you the level of passion here. That, oh, that, yeah. that, that you know, this uh, eclectic group of people on the internet right. uh, managed to port over, you know, an enterprise grade, an industry grade gaming editor over to Linux. I think that does demonstrate some enthusiasm, and I think it's awesome to see that un the Unreal folks are like right on. Well, and I think they get it. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited about the prospect of this because it could very potentially set the tone for things. Yeah. And for people that aren't gamers are thinking, yeah, blah, 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 it's games and stuff. Um, does it involve code? Yes. Does it involve porting something over to Linux? Yes. Start caring. Yeah. I'm going to leave that there. Yeah. Start caring. Um, and uh, they say they're going to release the game sort of in phases. So, like, yep. the first phase will be like a, they're going to focus on deathmatch, um, that kind of gameplay. Nice. And then once they get that nailed down, they'll move on to the next type of gameplay. This is way out there. We'll probably be talking about this, at, you know, towards Definitely. the end of 2015. We'll be talking about betas or something. Well, and I really hope it sets the tone for other development outside of the gaming space. And I think it yeah. potentially could if it's yeah. keeps this, you know, this. Pace. That's the larger p potential implications. Yeah. That's what I'm the most excited about. Definitely. Um, all right. So, uh, you know, I know the monkey bet's over. But it's still fun to take uh, to kind of take a little uh, uh, temperature of where Wayland is oh, at, yes, right? Yes. A big. This is a big boost for Wayland uh, this week. The Fedora project came to a final decision. Fedora 21 will ship with Wayland when you choose the GNOME desktop, assuming all conditions are met, like driver compatibility. Sure, sure. This is now. This is going to be limited to GNOME at first, although I'm sure you could rig up uh, a KDE desktop just as easily. Uh, and, and, and to be clear, Fedora 20 already had experimental Wayland support. Mm -hmm. Fedora 21 is building upon a more polished support thanks to upstream improvements that are landing in GNOME 3.14, which is due to ship before Fedora 21 is. So they're going to be taking advantage of some of that stuff. Fedora 21's Wayland support will focus on uh, addressing user-visible regressions and clearing up other shortcomings of GNOME on Wayland. So it's kind of... Mm -hmm. Not, I, I'm, they're not coming right out and saying it, but this is not really for production. Not really. You know, I think they're implying it, and yeah. you just have to uh, and, soak it in. And Xorg, of course, obviously will still be available on Fedora 21, so you know, all your other desktops will work. If you want to use the proprietary NVIDIA driver and use X11, that's going to work just fine. It's sure. going to use uh, Xorg 1.16, which also is integrating some basic X Wayland support for running X11 applications under Wayland without needing separate patches to Xorg. That's been doable today, but you have to patch Xorg separately to enable ah. that. Xorg 1.16 mm -hmm. builds that support in for uh, X Wayland automatically, which also should be shipping with Fedora 21. Nice. It's all baked in for you. Yeah. Uh, all right. Now, this is something that uh, I'm more of a Plex guy these days, but yeah. I still have me a lot of love and respect for XBMC, and they're really doing some great stuff. XBMC 13.0 shipped, mm -hmm. and uh, this is called Gotham. It's been in development for a long time, and there's been some decent uh, Linux improvements. Why don't we start, uh, though, one thing. They've improved, they've improved hardware decoding on Android for both ARM and x86 architecture. You need to have mm -hmm. Android 4.0. Uh, 
Cool. But now you get hardware decoding. That seems like a pretty big improvement. Oh, that's huge. Uh, now, uh, they've also done some, this is for all uh, operating systems, they've improved universal plug and play. Now, don't cringe. Okay. Instances of XBMC throughout the house can now speak with each other and other universal plug and play devices. Support now includes some advanced library browsing as well as play using functions, allowing XBMC to tell other devices on the network, hey, play this file. You know, to, I, and again, that's a usability feature, and I think that's important. Yeah, I know universal plug and play makes some people a little squeamish, which you're Don't right. Use it, problem solved. Yeah, you can turn it off. <laughs> uh, you're, okay, so here's the Linux specific stuff. This is the good right. stuff right here. Uh, Linux has now got improved uh, VAPI, the V A A P I, and uh, V D P A U support. Those are the APIs for uh, video accelerated decoding on the GPU. Nice. Uh, XBMC now cooperates nicely with the Pulse Audio server with true, oh. genuine Pulse Audio support. Finally. Yes. Uh, and also the VA API, the LibVA support for decoding videos with larger resolutions than 1080p, a.k.a. 4K support <laughs> for 4K videos has now been added to XBMC on Linux. Right. Also some settings improvements for general XBMC stuff. They've redone the settings area. So it's now broken into individual levels, and they have beginner and expert levels you can enable. Every setting now includes an actual description, so you can just read it right there on the screen so you know what's up. Nice, And nice. every setting page now includes a reset this thing back to defaults option. That's important because a lot of times – out. Yeah. A lot of people kind of – they get into this. They're not used to XBMC, and they're like, oh, I just changed something, and I don't remember what it was. Oh, crap. Yeah. That's nice to have that option to reset that. Very much, sir. Mm -hmm. All right, Matt. Get uh, your uh, PayPal account charged up because, okay. believe it or not, ZTE's OpenSea Firefox OS phone is now selling on eBay oh. for one ninety nine. So there it is. Oh. It's a pretty good-looking phone. Yeah. Um, okay, here's the specs. It's got a 4-inch, 800 by 480 touchscreen display. Okay. A dual-core 1.2 gigahertz CPU, 512 megabytes of RAM, a 3-megapixel camera, and 4 gigabytes of onboard storage. Now, remember, this is a smartphone for 99 bucks. This is not bad. I, I wish it was 99 bucks on eBay, but, you know. No, it is. Oh, it, oh I thought you said 199 Oh. Oh, did, no, it's nine ninety nine. dollars right, $99.99. So, 100 bucks essentially. Yeah, okay. Basically, 100 yeah, bucks plus a little change. A little change. It's yes. available in U.S., U.K., Germany, Russia, and many European countries. Wow. So, what's it run on? Like what Just Firefox of... OS. There, okay. there won't be any pre-installed software with okay. any network-specific apps or services. It's unlocked for global variants. Make sure it works in a frequent that's in your area if you're in the right. U.S. Uh, I believe T-Mobile will not support uh, the, some of the bands. I'm not sure about that. You want to look into that. Okay. Uh, so this, you know... Um, that's kind of cool. 99 bucks for a smartphone to get you basic apps, get you basic phone functionality. Mm -hmm. I don't know for us. I don't know. I mean, how much... Are you well, an for app myself, guy? myself, no, but I see this as like my teenager whose phone is a complete pile, um, you know, and desperately needs a new one. I'd say this actually makes a lot of sense because this does exactly what he wants. Does it have Facebook? Yes. Can he get... Can he surf Reddit? Yes. Uh, can he yeah. send text messages? Yes. He's yeah. happy. Can he YouTube? Probably. Probably, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it's so, channel five. So. Uh, and, and, you know, that's a good point because, like, right now, if, you know, you get somebody who's maybe prone to breaking things or losing things, the price point here is a little more digestible. And the yeah. fact that because it's unlocked, you're theoretically not re-upping your contract exactly. every time you replace it, things that's like the that. That's problem. Yep. That's kind of nice. Uh, I, I, I don't know if it's for me, but I could definitely see a market for it. Also, uh, our very own Alan Jude. Has the Nexus S? He's got like two apps ever installed on it ever. Oh yeah, and yeah, he's like, pretty minimal on the apps. Yeah, and he's like, well, maybe I'll upgrade soon because it kind of seems like the battery's not so great. So sure. I'm kind of getting to there, but you know, I don't really like. He's like what you were saying. He's like, hey, if I, if I can text every now and then, I got a tweet. 
Should right. be fine. Exactly. Oh, that's all there really is to it. President Obama's flying overhead. Yeah, I, I hear, uh, uh, what is it, Air that, Force 3 or something? That's, yeah, 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 that's just <laughs> Biden, so they just throw him on the spare helicopter they have sitting in the backyard. That's, yeah. <laughs> it's an old refurbed news chopper. I don't, know, you don't, even, I don't even know if that showed up on mic, but uh, yeah, that, wow. that wasn't, we had another fleet fly over too. Yeah, there's, there's, there's big things going on. Big Don't things, you. Matt. All right, so there you go, Matt. That's all the news for this week. It's time we talk about LXQT, which just saw their first major beta release this week. It's a brand new merger of two existing projects that have put out something for the universe. And now we're going to poke at it with some sticks and tell you what we think about it. And if it truly is an XFCE killer. But first, but first. I want to thank our segment sponsor, System76, creators of machines born to run Linux. I have to tell you... I feel like you and I are a little spoiled right now. We've been very fortunate. I've been using the Ultra Pro since Linux Fest Northwest. Matt's been using the Bonobo. We've had them on Loner. I keep coming up with excuses to keep them, though. Yeah, I've uh, you know I I've got a, I'm going to be doing a bit torrent sync and just kind of having like yeah. a, uh, it's I, I, oh boy I mean I live in so, one spot yeah. here I live in one spot there and then sync between the oh, two I went so far as to leave the power cord at home because it gives me a psychological feeling like I've taken some sort of a right. mental ownership of right sorts. I so uh, the reason yeah, these are so scratching itch I'm moving between two locations like I never have before Matt I had to get up this morning and drive to work. Which I know, was, isn't that weird? Right. It's very weird because yeah. I haven't done that for like six, seven years. Uh, and you've been you've been scratching that gaming itch like never before. Mm-hmm. So the two laptops arrived at the perfect time for our lives. And I can tell you unequivocally, I recommend this Ultra Pro laptop wholeheartedly. And uh, a lot of folks at Linux Fest Northwest had picked them up and loved them too. I think one of the things maybe we don't talk about enough because they we, we we're so focused on how great these laptops are and right. you know like for example the Ultra Pro you get the Core i7 you get the 10 1080p IPS 14 inch display you get the Iris graphics processor you can have multiple SSD drives in something that's this small it's oh, unbelievable it's the screen is so crisp but honestly System 76 makes some great desktop rigs right here in the U.S. of A. Yes. They ship them to you, and they are so well designed. If you have a high-end workstation load, you uh, we've had it. We loved it. Oh. The Leopard Extreme is a machine that is up to any task you can yes. throw at it. It's pretty great. So go over to System76.com, find yourself a machine, stop fighting with your hardware, play with your Linux, and tell System76 the Linux Action Show sent you. Love the Leopard Extreme. That's just, ooh. oh. I know. I know. Manly machine. Telling you. So much power. Yes. All right. Well, uh, we got an email in from uh, viewer Stefan. He writes, hey, Chris and Matt, I stumbled upon this, and I wanted to know what you think about it. And he links us to the release of LXQT. Yeah. He says it's a fusion of a well-known, the, the well-known LXDE desktop and Razor QT. Thanks for the great show. So he wants yeah. to know our thoughts on it. Well, he, he, he kind of set it up right there. You guys might remember we covered it on the news about a year ago mm-hmm. when LXDE and the Razor QT project, both two great projects on their own. Mm-hmm. Right. Just, they, they're just like, hey, you know what? We'd, we'd be like, we're like jelly and peanut butter. We're going to go together. That's right. And uh, they focused, uh, LXDE being based on GTK, still exists. That project, the GTK version, continues to be developed on for the foreseeable future until the developers uh, call uncle. Uh, but now LXDE, with the Razer QT project, has produced a version of the LXDE desktop uh, written in QT. So it's called LXQT now. And surprise, surprise, Matt, I've been running it the whole show. So if you've been wow. watching the video version, you've been seeing LXQT uh, in action. This is my desktop. It's very minimal. 
You got your standard launch bar here at the bottom, which is somewhat limited uh, in capability, but does the basic things you need, sure. like your notification area, your clock, your quick launch, your taskbar. Mm-hmm. Very Windows. You know, the chat room during the pre-show was riffing that it looks like a, a, a classic Windows installation, which, you know, you could argue it does. But I, I think, again, you could also argue that could be the appeal for a certain class Definitely. of users. But well, let's talk about uh, what we really want to know. Where does LXQT fit in in the grand scheme of things? You know, because we've got XFCE. We've got a lot of minimal desktops. Where, where What's the point? Well, I liked what Aaron Saigo wrote. Um, I think it was during right after the announcement oh, yeah? of uh, the LXDE and uh, Razer QT merger. He says, four communities, LXDE, Razer QT, Maui, and KDE, which were not working together, are now collaborating on a traditional desktop environment with low hardware requirements. With everyone getting what they need, it will... Uh, uh, be it more developers or a better set of libraries to work with more users, and KDE still able to focus on Plasma as a full-featured multi-device offering. It shows how collaboration can bring great rewards. Uh, and I think he's making a good point. What essentially this does is what I think Aaron is saying in not so many words is the existence of LXQT kind of allows KDE to just have at it. Go for it, make it flashy, make it for tablets, make it for desktops, really just go at it, think of new ideas, make Plasma crazy cool, because those of the, the user base out there that still wants that traditional desktop, but wants to take advantage of all the innovations around QT applications, and uh, unquestionably, the, the, the big you know, wave of QT applications we're about to see over the next few years, they can still be part of that on a minimal desktop, and that's where LXQT fits in, I believe. And I think that's essentially what Aaron is saying, is all these people that were working individually are now working together on a common set of libraries and goals, and, and it's all is happening right around a time when actual work in, in KDE itself is, exactly. they're working on making it more modular. They're working on making it more, you know, like, you can take this part, you don't need that part, you can have this part. That's a big part of the new KDE 5. I definitely agree with that. I also think it goes to far as to say that you can have a minimal desktop that's, uh, you know, that's very QT-centric, and I love that. I love the fact that this is, because uh, I like a minimal desktop. I don't, right. I don't want, I don't need it to look a certain way. If I want it to look a certain way, I'll theme it. Right. Um, you know, it's like, and just out of the box, it, lo- it looks like it's going to get the job done. Yeah. And no frills, no nonsense, just get it done. I, I think, you know, and I, I was curious what you thought, because I know that for a long time you were pretty happy with XFCE. Yeah. I, I, you know, let's, let's maybe tackle that, and then I want to tackle, uh, well, actually, before we jump okay. to that, I'll mention yeah. this, and then I want to jump to the XFCE okay. thing. Um, this is very anecdotal, so take this with a grain of salt. But sure. what we're looking at here is a chart that shows search terms from 2005 to the end of 2013. Okay. And the two terms that we're watching the trend for are QT and GTK. Now, you can clearly see that QT is getting is, is much more popular in terms of search and is, is actually trending up towards the end here, whereas you can see GTK has been on a steady decline in search terms. This means really not really anything at all, other than a slight anecdotal uh, perhaps perhaps indicator of public interest and perhaps developers who are doing some anecdotal research. I think public interest, and I also noticed that news headlines are included in that. And I noticed that early on, um, GTK was the clear winner in that regard as far as news mentions. And then we are now seeing QT taking away right. news mentions and actually. Right. So I think that provides kind of a directional Keeps um, that indication. bump going. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and, the, and the end averages is QT seems to be a much stronger, uh, at least in terms of Google searches. Now, I think what this could be indicative of is uh, QT has a really good scenario around targeting multiple platforms with an integrated look, you know, multiple Windows, sure. uh, Linux, Mac, 
and mobile. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a key piece is and mobile. Right. And there's a lot of people in the mobile space who are throwing down behind QT. And when you when you're a developer, anything where you can maximize, you know, the largest range of targets that will make a, that will make money for you and actually look like they belong there. That's a win. And QT is sort of in that position right now. And so I've been expecting to see a lot of stuff switch over to QT. I mean, a lot of people saw the move of LXDE. Uh, and merging with Razor QT mm-hmm. as an indication of QT's strength. But we, we're seeing a lot of other projects switch over to QT as well. And I think over the next couple of years, you're going to see that increase. I don't right. think it's going to happen in some big upswing. I think it's going to be gradual. So it's I, going to slowly get there. I think you're right. And so I think that's where LXQT fits in for a lot of people that still want to be there, have a minimal desktop. And now let's talk about that XFCE thing, because I think one thing you can't deny is, is in terms of overall features and what you get... Mm-hmm. XFCE is still a much stronger contender in that regard, right? You get more desktop. Yeah, you get more desktop. I think it's just, it's got more time in the oven. I think that's the biggest piece of it. But There's I, more community around it, too. There's more too. community around it, but I think it's nice to have this alternative project that we know, regardless of what hap- happens with yeah. XFCE, that we have something to fall back on for a minimal desktop usage. We're not saying, oh, well, sorry, guys, you're going to have to go to this other big bloated thing. Right, um, that's right. really cool. So here I'll give you a, here's some numbers, okay? So uh, because I think while we're talking about XFCE versus LXQT, one thing you have to ask is legitimately on these minimal desktops, what's right. the memory footprint? Yeah, and cool. okay. So OpenBox on this this is a Debian test rig with 512 megs of RAM with one CPU, and each desktop is taken after a cold boot. Mm-hmm. OpenBox 58 megabytes, XFCE 89 megabytes. This is with all Debian defaults. Ooh. LXDE, the GTK2 version. Mm-hmm. 78 megabytes. LXQT, so the new QT version, mm-hmm. 0.7 that we're testing, 95 megabytes. So essentially 37 more megabytes than running uh, OpenBox. OpenBox came in to light us with 58 megabytes. LXQT, 95 megabytes. So right now, LXQT has the most memory usage with the least set of overall features compared right, to XFC. Right. Now, they do have some really good features in LXQT. Um, but it's early days, and I think it's, again, I think it's an indicator that over time, they will begin to polish that down. Yes. And, you know, get the well, and also uh, that I think... I might get some hate for this, but I think that 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 metric changes over time. You oh, know, sure. Uh, maybe it will, it will be in a time in a couple of years where anything under 200 megabytes is great. Because what you get yeah. at 98 megabytes is you get, uh, for me, um, you get you get a pretty compelling desktop. It's a minimal desktop, but one of the great new features of LXQT is it's extremely modular. Right. So any component that you use for configuring your displays or configuring your network settings or your sound, everything LXDE or LXQT allows you to swap out. So they've, it's completely modular architecture. Mm-hmm. They've also rebuilt Pac-Man File Manager in QT. It Which flies. Cool. <clears throat> the other thing you might be noticing is because of the way uh, LXQT is architected, I'm actually also taking advantage of the KWIN compositor. Right. So I get to use KWIN with all of the fancy effects and the benefits of using KWIN on a desktop that is using very little memory. And to me, that is a Getting to use KWIN on a minimal desktop, yes. I, it's, I know you can do it on other desktops, but the way it is so well supported, essentially, when you when you boot into LXQT for the first time, it'll say, hey, I've detected a couple of window managers. I see OpenBox is on here. I see KWIN is on here. Mm-hmm. What'd you like me to do, boss? And you choose the one you want. I chose KWIN. And then you have a, a fully composited, minimal desktop using the best window manager out there. I mean, KWIN is is 
I, I love it. I, I've never had a problem with it. I love the way it supports gaming. I love the fact that it still allows me to do some of the old school compass effects, right, the barrel right. effects that I thought were too fun. I can still turn some of that on, but it's not over the top. Uh, so the fact that I get that on LXQT is huge. They're also working on ongoing support uh, as future iterations come out for uh, QT5 compatibility. So QT5 apps will work over here. Uh, and uh, they have overall from previous iterations, they have great performance improvement. I thought mm-hmm. the performance was quite good. You combine that with, uh, you know, just the just the overall experience of QT apps look appropriate, but GTK apps still look good. The low memory usage, it's a fun project. Well, could I use it every day? I don't know. I, oh, I could use it every day. I wouldn't even you think be so? hard. Oh, yeah, certainly. I don't I, know if I could. You know, I, for me, it would depend on the machine. Like I've like an old netbooker. You know, that would be ideal. I would probably even go as far as to replace, take GNOME off that old netbook and actually put this on simply because it provides the niceties. Without all the KDE stuff that I don't really necessarily need. That's, I think, the point I was trying to make with yeah. the KWIN thing. You just said a lot better than I did is <clears throat> like all the stuff I like about KDE, like right. I kind of like Dolphin, right? I, I, I love Dolphin. I like I lo- the way the QT yeah. apps work together. Yeah. I like KWIN. I, what I have issue with a lot of time are what I consider some of the rough edges of KDE's UI. And I know you can theme it, but I still have problems with it. This in itself, and I'll show you, like, if we're looking at this desktop. Like, here's an example of the desktop settings. Yeah. Just, it's very minimal. It's very for- straightforward. It's And it's got some of that KDE polish, but without all the extras. Right. The it, extras that I don't personally need or that, want. But, and I'm, um, it's, it's a personality flaw of mine. I recognize this, but if the options are there, I apparently... Like like a child cannot stop yeah. myself from playing with them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what's this? Dude? However, if they're not there, if yeah. I can, if the minimal defaults make sense, and then I can just adjust them slightly, and it's very straightforward to do that. I actually then work on my computer instead of play with my computer. Exactly. This is striking that balance. It lets me play. With, that's what I was trying to say. Is it lets me yeah. play with this KDE stuff. But for me, like it's still just like um, not quite enough like i want more desktop and i think that i started using this and honestly what i started thinking is you know i like this a lot it kept reminding me of all the things i liked about kde really and yeah. without the stuff i don't like but i'm wondering now i kind of feel like maybe i should go play kde for yeah a see bit. and, and that, they had there. the opposite for me i was like wow this is a really awesome alternative to even you know i mean like for my lighter white lighter weight desktops um i love the fact that it's a fantastic xfce alternative so it felt solid and um, i like that you know then the, the lower memory usage is nice one thing i had i'm, I'm trying to reproduce it right now. It's not working at the moment, but yeah, right. uh, occasionally, and and uh, Ica from the chat room, Eric, our uh, our uh, uh, how to Linux producer, uh, he also was playing with this and noticed this. So sometimes Steam games, particularly trying to, there we go. See how the title bar isn't going or the uh, bottom oh, panel? Oh yeah, yeah, I've had that. Yeah, it, 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 it like so. I just launched it. Bottom panel goes away. I launch sure. it again. Bottom panel's there. Right. There's a couple of Steam games that surprisingly, out of all the desktops that I wouldn't expect to have problems, this one seems to be having the most. Uh, and it's nothing major. I've had that happen on X- XFCE before. Oh, and then it just fixed itself. Okay, yeah. so that's yeah, that's a I, uh, XFCE um, like a mate or matey rather. Mate. Mate. Yeah. Uh, whatever you yeah. want to call it. Yeah. I, uh, anything with the bar at the bottom. I've I've had that happen. It's just the way it draws for some reason. Um, so. so it's a small. It's small things like that. Plus, it is in very active development. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, so if you want to play with it, it is fun. There will probably the easiest way is over the weekend a release of Seduction, the uh, Ubuntu. Or I'm sorry, <laughs> Ubuntu, the uh, the Debian SID uh, yeah. based distro uh, has released an LXQT package that you can download nice. in ISO, and it's a it's an environment you can just go play with it right now. You don't have to install anything. The second easiest way I found is the PPA for Ubuntu 14.04. Here would be my recommendation. In fact, I meant to show this to you earlier because I loaded up. Uh, I, I tried. A, I tried a couple of different ways to get the ex- like the most perfect right. L- LXQT setup. The first way I tried <clears throat> was 
I added the PPA to my Ubuntu 14.04 install. When you do that, you get a lot of clutter in the menus. Like, well, and for me, it actually broke, and I found I was not the only one that had <laughs> yeah. that because I because I would log in and be like, okay, we're good to go. Yeah, nope, that didn't work. So I tried a couple of other things. Yeah. I even tried reinstalling the, yeah. the panel with it, a couple other tips. Yeah, and then found out that like sixteen or seventeen other people were dealing with the same issue. So, so like, never mind. I uh, then I tried OpenSUSE, yeah. but I couldn't get uh, a new enough version from their package repo. Right. Even though I, even though the LXQT folks, yeah, it ran. yeah, I got zero dot five installed. Yeah. Even though I thought I think there's a repo from the LXQT project so the way i also tried arch um but what i really found if you like if you're like me and you want all the good stuff from kde but you want a minimal ui on top of it right what i did the easiest way to get started this is going to be a little weird because it's inception here because this is my vm i installed a kubuntu base which gives you all qt applications it gives you all the qt like configuration stuff so you get the full-on system settings here that have uh, oh this this is actually that's lxqt specifically but uh you get you get all your kde applications interesting and then you can just add the 1404 ppa on top of a kubuntu installation and it's a pretty great if you wanted that kde stuff it's a pretty great implementation of lxqt i think it was my favorite way to go i tried i tried like i said i tried a few and this was the one i liked the most the end result is it's a full QT environment with rich applications. Uh, I, Seems I like it was a win. Great. I think that's actually probably the yeah that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, uh, and then one last thing I'll just show you is they have a slimmed down version of the system settings, <clears throat> which. Uh, Here's the problem. Is uh, so you look at my install because I did it from fourteen oh four. Oh yeah, got, yeah. I've got one, two system setting options there, and then I've got another system settings options here. This is the actual LXQT one. Right. It's it looks just like the KDE one. It's just more minimal. Has exactly. has fewer stuff. So if you install full KDE, you get all of the you can you know you get all the like the display configuration stuff and all of that. Nice. It's a pretty great desktop. I'm really excited about its future. I don't think it's an XFCE killer yet. Not yet. But it, but it could definitely be a strong contender. I would say. Probably about a year down the road. Yeah, and 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 like if you know, like potentially if you're a little more experienced user like Matt, you could probably switch today and right. be happy. Oh yeah, and, I uh, could provide easily. feedback and bug reports for him. Yeah, I might I might actually look into doing that. I actually have an old old uh, desktop that might be perfect yeah. for it. Yeah, it, fl- it flew on the yes. Ultra Pro. Absolutely flew. All right, Matt, that's a Linux Action Show's look at LXQT. And that brings us to the end of this week's broadcast. But hey, Matt, yes. before we get out of here, I got a couple items of business to cover and some emails. We got some great questions this week. All right. Uh, first of all, I want to say congr- congratulations to my co host of Coda Radio, Mr. Michael Dominic, for uh, 100 episodes of the Coda Radio program. We 100 in a row, too. Wow. And we're uh, celebrating by, guess what? An episode 100 shirt. Just nice. go over to teespring.com. Slash CR100. We've got tees and hoodies, so depending on your climate. And we got lots of great colors for the tee and some great colors. I love this dark blue or purple, I guess it is. I love that. I'm kind of I'm a little navy, so it is blue. So this yeah, is what you get for when you get a colorblind guy telling you about colors. Uh, but you know what? Blue to me. That one's definitely blue, blue. right? And then we've got the ladies' tee, too, so even the ladies can celebrate nice. Coda Radio 100. It's a good-looking shirt. And uh, our very own Mr. Rotten Corpse producer of this here show helped design the logo. He did design it. with the, Very cool. Looks yeah. good. So uh, teespring.com slash CR100 if you want a little Jupiter swag. We'll be running this one for one week and one day as of this broadcast. So go grab it. And we did meet our goal. So nice. if you order one, you will get one. Nice. All right, Matt. Uh, we got a pontificating question that came into the inbox. Oh, okay. You can email us by going to jupiterbroadcasting.com and clicking that contact link at yes. the top of our site and choosing Linux Action Show or Linux Unplugged from the drop down. Mm-hmm. Mark writes in, 
Hey, Chris and Matt, I came across this interesting bit of news and thought, do we care? So there is a rumor. I'll, I'll, I'll summarize for you, Matt. Uh, there is a rumor that Microsoft is currently porting Office to Linux. The It's a whole new round of rumors. People believe it's legit this time. It could be happening. Do you care? Uh, yes, and here's why. Um, will I use it? No, I'd sooner douse myself in gasoline. But there are people that would and will, and it will potentially make the uh, getting people to switch over, especially in an enterprise environment, more plausible for them. Wow. Um, simply because a lot of times, and I deal with this a lot in a lot of writing, that you end up with documents that maybe are structured a certain way in a file format that eh, yeah. isn't really going to work so well with LibreOffice or the alternatives. So sometimes having that as, a, as an option is a good thing. Yeah. Not for me, but for perhaps for other people. Chat room, you know, everybody can join and watch our show, jblive.tv, Sunday, 10 a.m. Pacific. Uh, chat room, looks like they're mostly in line with you. Some folks are like, we don't want that, but I agree. I, I, if nothing else, it, it's just like when somebody says, well, does it have Office? You can say yes. You're not that, well, it has something just like Office that's probably even better. It will convert people over. I can think yeah. of five people off the top of my head that if yeah. you had, it's like Photoshop's another one of those apps. Certain applications you have available, even though I'm not, even though I don't care, other people do. Yeah, I agree. They switch people. There it is. All right, so uh, this this one came in for our um, our very own Imacon from the chat room, and uh, I got it. This is a poll. We're going to ask the chat room to vote. So I just okay. put the link in the chat room. Uh, so here's the question, and then we'll we'll go. We'll take it to a vote. He says, "So since I was installing OpenSUSE, I decided to try out ButterFS. Mm -hmm. I just made a simple single partition for the install and left the installer to create the subvolumes for ButterFS, which it handles nicely. A few days later, with zero changes to the FS tab or anything else." file system related, ButterFS decides to have a random I.O. error, which my Google foo could not find the definition of the error. This remounts the entire partition, read-only, and actually corrupted it to an unbootable, unrepairable state. Yay, ButterFS. Thanks for all the shows and for everything you do. So my question to the audience to the live stream right now, do you trust any critical data to ButterFS? See, I'm starting to think ButterFS is ready to go, but we just got some anecdotal story there that says maybe there's troubles. Uh, what few, say you, Matt? Yeah, boy, a few months ago, I actually tried it. Uh, I forget which distribution it was. It was one of the testing distributions I used, and um, it basically uh, didn't work at all. I mean, like, it just wouldn't mount. I mean, I never yeah. had any success <clears throat> with it whatsoever. That doesn't mean that's the norm. It just means that, you know, I think everybody's instances and, ex and experiences with it will vary. I was trying so, out, yeah. I remember how I mentioned I was trying out LXQT on different distros. One of them I tried out because uh, Integros, Antigros, has an open box installer, and I was going to mm -hmm. try out open boxes the back end. Right. When I chose, and this is using their daily ISO, so I, I understand it's under development. When I chose um, to use ButterFS on the file system, the installer choked, failed failed to format. I've gotten that a few times on, on different distros where when you choose ButterFS, the installer right. freaks out. Exactly. Like maybe like the kernel itself and everything underlying would support it, but the installer does, which is really crazy to me. Yeah, I, to, yeah to me, that's kind of self-defeating. I don't know. Uh, so if you're listening and on the chat room, you can go to strawpole.me one uh, six slash, sorry, strawpole.me one six seven two nine two six to vote. Right now we got 47 votes in from the live stream, 48 votes. Wow. 79% yeah. do not trust critical data to ButterFS. I mean, like, I want it to be there. I've heard lots of successful things about it. My one-time experience kind of colored me in the sense that I don't really need another file system, so I'm kind of indifferent to it at this point. 
but uh, yeah. that's just me. So uh, if you would like to vote, uh, uh, download audience member, go to strawpoll.me slash 167-2926, or we will have a link, or maybe have the poll embedded too, in the show notes. Yeah. So just go over and find episode 312 and scroll down towards the bottom and vote. I'd be really curious because uh, we are working on a new server here at the Jupiter Studios, JB1, and uh, we're discussing using ButterFS. I, I would stick to what we know works. I yeah. Know. I mean, yeah. And, you know, get, yeah. get creative with like a disposable media, but that's just me. See, I've been using it on my laptops yeah. for a while now, so I think it's... But I know it's totally different on a server. Yeah, it's kind of like... Wow, the how, vote's how still coming tr- in. How much trust do you have? You know? Look at so, that. We're now up yeah. to uh, 69 votes. Wow. 72% of the voters... 70, now 70 votes. Boy. 73% of the voters do not trust ButterFS. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. I, I thought that... T- I For some reason, I don't know, cause maybe because I just thought we had a bunch of diehard Linux users in our audience, I thought that number on the upside would be a lot higher. That's totally not what well, I Well, I guess another way to put it, on a desktop file system, absolutely. For my uh, home partition, hell no. Yeah, yeah, see, that's what I'm doing. I'm no. doing... I do, yeah. my, I, do my, I do my home is uh, ButterFS. Yeah. Uh, ButterFS all over the place. I just yeah. use compression on my home one. I, I'm I, crazy. I picture you with a thing, a c- country <laughs> crock and a spatula and just, <laughs> just slapping... it all over there? Yeah, I mean, just... <laughs> woo, you know, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I just... Uh, can't okay. bring myself to do it. All right, Matt. Well, if people haven't gotten themselves enough Hartley, uh, where should they go throughout the week to maybe read a little more? Uh, datamation.com. Uh, scroll down to open source. Uh, the latest article here is, uh, should you upgrade to Ubuntu 14.04? Oh. Uh, my synopsis is, I give you uh, when you should and when you shouldn't, basically. There you go. And, Very uh, nice. Yeah. And No blanket answer. Maybe if I don't feel like reading and I could do some of that watching. Yeah, we've uh, revisited Fez for our part two. Nice. Uh, one of our picks from last yes. week. Good one. Yeah, we are definitely big Fez fans Geek in the Gamer, and uh, it's Geek in the Gamer one word. Be sure to subscribe, like the videos if you want more of them, and uh, we're pretty excited about it. And it's a good game. I definitely recommend checking it out. YouTube.com slash Geek and the Gamer. That's right. And uh, watch, for the, uh, watch for the gameplay. Stay for the swearing. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, if, there's, if you guys feel like I know I'm not animated enough, watch one of those videos. <laughs> You'll find out why. Um, all right, very good. Uh, I wanted to give a couple of uh, brief <laughs> mentions. Uh, we've moved the faux show's live time to yes. Sundays, so ah. that'll affect the release time a little bit, and that also means that if you want to show up and watch the Linux Action Show, yep. you should do it. Join us live Sunday, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. UTC. I think double-check because of the whole time zone stuff. Just go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. See if Daylight Savings is screwed up for you or not, because the calendar page just handles that automatically. That's but right. anyways... If you're watching the Linux Action Show live, watch the big show, and then you get to stay for the faux show afterwards. Mm-hmm. And the faux show is a great live experience. Both shows have a lot more than what you get to see in the release version. A, because of oh, yeah. size limitations, and B, there's just hijinks we're doing between segments and stuff. Same with the faux show. So I invite you to join us on Sundays. You get to hang out in the chat room, help us name the show, and you can stick right. around and watch the faux show. Get the full experience. Yeah. All right, everyone. Well, thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of the Linux Action Show. We'll see you right back here next week. seen justified okay that's essentially where i live um it's a lot like that if you've ever watched the intro that's probably like a dumbed down tame version of it oh my goodness i'm stirring up trouble oh boy stirring up trouble oh boy i like the trouble so it is not exactly a straightforward process but it is one that works Speaking of straightforward process, I'm going to go blow the schnizzle right now. Wow. That, wow. I don't... <laughs> that would be the nose, guys. Okay. All right. Okay. I was just making sure, because I wasn't sure. It's was like, well, no. It's... I like the background. Yeah. You like I'm in the mountain? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.